Welcome to Cinebabble Episode 6. I am your host, Ken Brown, and this is my co-host... Clint Jones. Oh, he got it right again. Well done, I'm Clint. learning my own name. That's great. <laughs> you have it on a card behind in front of me so I can... Cue cards? Yeah. Absolutely. Can I, can I say something about your opening music? Sure. One, I love the opening music. Awesome. Uh, I don't know if, if anyone listening knows that it is uh, a Clint Jones original, mm-hmm. but my absolute favorite part is when you go, Cinebabble! <laughs> You don't know how many times I tried to do that, and Jenny would be downstairs laughing at me. It was embarrassing, to it's say great. the least. It's great. Yeah. It, it makes me smile every time. Good. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> did you see this week, uh, we'll get to what we're watching, but did you see this week that they finally uh, released the new Sonic the Hedgehog design for this Sonic contraption that's being thrown at movie theaters sometime in February? Well, I saw the new trailer that they put out, like, last week. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I don't really care what you thought of that. I'm pretty sure I know what you thought of that. (laughs) It's still a horror show, I think. Yeah. (laughs) It at least looks like a good video game cutscene now, not a Mm. horrid video game cutscene. I guess. (laughs) Subjective. Uh, What do you think of this? uh, Is this a good thing that everybody rushed to kind of – concede to fan complaints uh, or does that set up future difficulties where studios are are going to be more in a rush to scrap things and go in a different direction just because the internet says so? Well, I hope it doesn't set a new precedent. I think that could ruin some artistic license or something like that, but... High artistry in Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, yeah. It's the highest (laughs) art form. But I think in this case, maybe... It was <laughs> good call. Warranted? Yeah. 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 yeah okay. I mean, I really wish that there was some outrage about that Cats trailer. <laughs> that something <laughs> that, would change. There was a lot of outrage about that Cats trailer. Oh, I so wish far, they listened to that. Yeah. That's that's a horror show. Yeah. That's terrifying, actually. Yeah. Uh, I don't understand. Okay. I was just curious. I wasn't sure if you would be uh, yeah, I hope it's not up in arms at the, uh, the quashing of artistic freedom. Well, or I, if there's you would not be like, much artistry behind <laughs> Sonic's <laughs> poor Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> uh, now, like when this stuff comes out, my immediate thought is, why is this live action? Like, give me a, a fantastically a animated yeah. Sonic the Hedgehog I agree. feature. I would be all about that. Yeah, uh, and, and and you can. There's no Uncanny Valley. There's no mm-hmm. uh, zaniness with trying to make things look grounded or real with your real actors. It's yeah. just, you know, it, it just it almost feels like that's what it's meant to be. I don't. I don't know why studios kind of shy away from animation in that in those kind of properties. Yeah, I've had the same thought, like with Transformers and mm-hmm. other properties yeah. like that, where it's just like, just take the real people out. It'll look great. Yeah, like yeah. we won't have to compare the how it looks in the real world compared to the people in it. It's just like, okay, it's just an awesome looking yeah. anime, like CGI animated film. Yeah. yeah. Well, and when I saw the new Sonic trailer, I was like, well, Sonic looks much more Sonic-y. Yeah. He looks good, but it just heightens the the disparity between the live action and this now very clearly animated character. I mean, he was obviously CG before. Yeah. But you could tell they were trying to make him look and feel like a, a creature that would actually exist in this universe. Yeah. Uh, whereas cartoon eyes immediately destroy that right yeah maybe that's what the teeth were doing before they just (laughs) gave us a little more disbelief that it's not really existing i'm really happy about original animation if you look at like american animation uh it's all for the most part original properties 
Um, it's not something that's been adapted from a comic book or from a cartoon or anything like that. Uh-huh. But it's strange then because because everything adapted from uh, things that, that would seem like they would fit perfectly with animation, comic books and cartoons and, and whatnot, those do not get animated features. I right. think the last one I can really remember was that uh, animated Ninja Turtles movie. The Spider-Verse. Um, oh, yeah, the yeah. Spider-Verse. Yeah. yeah, and and but it just it gave them so much more freedom. Yeah, uh, I love the live action, the new Spider Man movies, mm-hmm. but at the same time, there was so much more uh, playfulness, uh, right, and ability to create in Spider Verse. Yeah. That's a good call. Yeah, I feel like something like the Lego movies accomplished that idea well when because well, they're so I don't know divided by just, the sections that they uh, like the real people appear and make yeah. sense within the context of the story, but. Yeah, they don't have to coexist in this same space. And see, that's a perfect example, but it also simultaneously destroys my hypothesis. <laughs> which I don't appreciate. <laughs> Immediately, as soon as I said that, you're like, well, what about Spider-Verse? <laughs> and I was like, well, yeah, Spider-Verse, and what about the Lego movie? <laughs> well, yeah, and the Lego movie, too. Well, what about? It wasn't my intention. Okay, that's all right. I'm it's... trying to add something to this. Okay. Caught me okay. off guard. I think this is the third week in a row where you've made me look like a fool. <laughs> Hey, I want to do that to myself in the next five minutes, so don't worry. <laughs> all right. So uh, with all that said, uh, this week, what you watching about, Clint? Okay. So I kind of went on an exploratory mission on Criterion this Ooh. week because I was like, I'm going to find something. Criterion streaming? Yes. Okay. I want to find something new. Um some like a director or something that I'm not familiar with that uh, maybe will be a new staple in my um, arsenal of my, not arsenal but my collection of directors that I really enjoy. All right. Actually, I didn't mean to do this, but it happened. So I um, they had just got up some works by this um, or some films by this director uh, Peter Greenaway. Are you familiar with him at all? The name rings a bell. Give me some films. Attached okay, to so it. I watched two films by him. Okay, um, the first was The Cook, The Thief, His Wife, and Her and Lover. I have seen this movie. You have? I have. Long time ago. You? I love this movie. Okay. And um, I watched another one by him called um, A Z of Two Knots. Definitely not seen that. Yeah, one. that was before. That was from '85, and okay. uh, the Cook the Thief was from '89. Okay. And the Cook the Thief has um, Michael Gambon mm-hmm. from like Harry Potter and many other things. Um, Helen Mirren, young younger Helen Mirren, maybe she's like in her forties. Um, very naked Helen Mirren throughout <laughs> this film, and uh, a young Tim Roth, and um, I thought it was fantastic, um, and. The main premise of this film is that it's set within the confines of this restaurant and it takes place in the parking lot or the the alley behind it, in the kitchen, and then in the main restaurant area. And it's basically like a stage setup where he can dolly between each section mm-hmm. like freely really yeah and see, i have no memory of this so it's like I one of I've the most it, but... beautiful films i've seen hmm. like it was just mind-blowing to me okay. and uh the whole time i'm thinking like either this guy is a painter or really inspired by painters because i was thinking about when i was in college when i was in photography class 
my photography teacher could tell that I was a painter from how I composed my mm. pictures because they were very set up and mm -hmm. composed and not like from natural life. And I've always had that thought when I look at um, photography or movies, just what their inspiration is. And now are these single and broken shots? Like long some of them are. Or, okay. Some of them are. Like he will go from the restaurant, uh, from the in the restaurant, the seated area, mm -hmm. and it just will dolly all the way across. And okay. it's in every section, he like based it around different colors. So like mm -hmm. the um, alley area is a different, is like blue, which I can't remember what that represents, but the um, restaurant area is green, which is like um, based around like foliage and mm -hmm. like gathering of foliage and feeding oneself. And then like the restaurant area is actually, is red, like with like, like carnivore and just like devouring of food. And then there also, it also takes place in the bathroom and that's, it's w pure white because of like purity and uh, cleanliness. And, and it's just, there's really no narrative to the story other hmm. than it's about this tyrant of a man who's basically a mobster. And that's that, Gambone, right? Yeah. Yeah. Who's a thief. They call him a thief, but he's more like a, um, gangster kind of type and he has like his um tim roth plays like one of his henchmen mm -hmm. and he's kind of protecting this restaurant but basically like terrorizing this restaurant and saying like i won't like basically destroy you as long as like i can eat here every single night <laughs> so it's him and um helen mirren plays his wife and it's basically she meets a man at this restaurant and like they start having an affair and it's just about that and it's hmm. just about him finding out and, and it has one of the most demented endings i've ever seen and it made me smile so much well and i remember different visuals as you were talking but otherwise i remember very little I and that watched it a long time ago when when did this movie 89. come out i probably watched it in my 20s which was much later than 89 but yeah i feel like that's one of those things i i read about on a uh, like Empire or, or right. one of those magazines where it was talking about greatest films or something like that, and I tried it out, but I have I have so little memory of it. I'll well, have to check that out. yeah, it just from like really, I have a couple quote like this is going to be kind of an extended <laughs> um, bit of uh, what you watching about for me because I have three quotes from him that kind of sum him up. Okay. So anyway, I want to talk about the um, Z of Two Knots first, very okay. briefly, and that's basically just the opening of this sets up the film because his whole thing is he does not believe in narrative in film. Really? He believes okay. that when narrative would, it was introduced to film, it destroyed cinema. But Clint, I love narrative. I love narrative too, but I totally see what he's saying in a regard because he believes like it should be like a high art form like painting or any other like media like that. Does he dismiss other cinema or he just thinks that this is pure cinema? He believes he wants to make pure cinema. Okay. And like uh, one of he was asked, uh, I was reading quotes from him and he was re he was saying like the, they were, he was asked who is one of his favorite directors is mm -hmm. or somebody who he admires. And he, the only thing he could think of was David Lynch. Hmm. So, he, and he's in that vein. I would, I would okay. put him in that. Would um, Terrence Malick fall into there for him? I, he didn't mention him, no. but maybe. And uh, I don't know. It was just a short quote, but. <laughs> the opening of Zeta Two Knots is really all you need to know to know what this film is about. Okay. And the opening of it is a woman, well, three women are in a car accident in front of a zoo and <laughs> with a swan. They run into a swan. Okay. And 
Two of the women die, and the one woman woman who was driving survives. Okay. And the husbands of the wives who die work at the zoo. And the one man gets obsessed with evolution, and the other one gets obsessed with uh, decomposition. <laughs> and so he, like, is finding animals around the zoo to, like, he's setting up cameras to watch, like, a time lapse of decomposition. So he's just, like, in this state of mind. And then, like, it kind of, they start a love affair with um, this woman who was in the accident or started the accident. Okay. And it's just, it's almost like a more demented Wes Anderson like, I feel like Wes Anderson must have some influence from him, just okay. from the shot composition, the use of color and light. And it's very, you know, like, mm-hmm. it's very painterly where it's how it's staged and everything is how it, it should be. And it's symmetrical and beautifully uh, laid out. Okay. So anyway. That's interesting, too, because Wes Anderson is is very narrative-based. Yeah. Uh, he he revels in narratives. Yeah, yeah. But I could see him just from the composition alone mm-hmm. and uh, how he stages things, that being an inspiration. Okay. He might not be, but mm-hmm. like uh, to me, I was just like watching it and it gave me that um, connection. So I have three quotes that, that kind of sum him up. Um, Continuity is boring. <laughs> <laughs> the oh, other. man. There goes the MCU. Okay, next quote. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you want to tell stories, be a writer, not a filmmaker. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Yeah. And this is my favorite. It's a little bit longer, but he says, many, uh, many quite popular films are filled with violence. I think the difference between those and my films is that I show the cause and effect of violent activity. It's not a Donald Duck situation where he gets a brick in the back of his head and gets up and walks away in the next frame. Mine have violence, which keeps Donald Duck in the hospital for six months and creates a trauma, which he will remember for the rest of his life. (laughs) He sounds like a very angry fellow. Well, I watched this, like, it was like a 15-minute interview with him, and he didn't seem that angry. He's just very enthusiastic about how he views film. Now, have you followed at all uh, the, the Martin Scorsese uh, comic book films are not cinema yeah, I have. argument? Yeah. Your thoughts? Um, I see his point, mm-hmm. as you know how I feel about mm-hmm. them. I, a little bit. But it he, it makes me irritated how much it's being um, reported on. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, can we just let it go? Yeah, like, let's, let's yeah, let it and go And they have right other now. people, other directors and yeah. stuff weigh in what their thoughts are. And it's just like, uh, okay. This like, is the portion of the show where Clinton can let it go. <laughs> <laughs> no theme song coming for that. <laughs> no theme Sorry. Song. Have you been watching anything else this week? No, that's been, well, I have, but that's been on my mind the most. Okay. So I'm gonna... Now, the Criterion streaming service I do not have. Is mm-hmm. it worth it? How much is it? Uh, it's like $10 a month. Okay. But... The more I realize how every time I sit down to like devote time to watch something on there, it, it becomes like my new favorite thing. So okay. I, I think I need to. I'm gonna start okay. uh, diving deeper into it. I might add that to my stable. Yeah, my just like streaming. It's stable. worth. I feel like just taking a risk on something. Just like yeah. oh, I haven't heard about this. It, I don't know anything about it. Yeah. Even if you go into it like. That way, usually there's something of um, substance to get, get gained from. Well, it. and things are often championed for a reason. Yeah, uh, they're not. I in think a vacuum. they're. Yeah. So I think they're picking. Is Armageddon on there? 
Because <laughs> you know Armageddon is an official Criterion release. It is. Uh, it is. I'm not sure. Okay. I'm Just curious. Sure. They don't have everything, but. Okay. okay. Yeah. What are you I've... watching, Ken? What you watching about? <laughs> what you watching about? <laughs> uh, I am still, for some reason, watching Castle Rock. Uh-huh. And uh, weirdness is afoot. And horror has increased. Scares have somehow decreased. Yeah. Tension has decreased. Suspense has decreased. Performances has decreased. The the show, I, I don't know why I'm still watching. <laughs> so uh, it's up to episode eight now. It's all perfectly fine. Yeah. Um, it's very rote. Um, <laughs> it just, it's there. And mm-hmm. I, I continue to watch for some reason. Uh, I also started or attempted to start uh, His Dark Materials yeah. on HBO. Yeah. Uh, and I was just, I've been so enthralled with Watchmen. I was like, well, let's let's give this a try. Maybe, just maybe. Yeah. Um, it, it was fine. It was also fine. This was mm-hmm. a week of, it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> it, it It's certainly well made. It's certainly well cast. You can tell a lot of money has gone into it. Yeah. Uh, it did not, in the course of that, 45 minutes hook me once. Yeah. There was, there was nothing about it that made me really feel like I have to keep going. And I think I'm going to try another episode or two, but um, just didn't, didn't have a whole lot that grabbed hold of me. Yeah. Um, it felt very high fantasy in one regard. But then, uh, and I would imagine maybe the books, uh, I've not read the books, but maybe they would be the same way to me. It feels like very high fantasy that is then intentionally stripped down to be as unhigh fantasy as possible. Right. Yeah, I watched the first episode and it kind of had the same feeling. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I just, I, I, I think I would be more into it if they really went for it or really just reined it in. Mm-hmm. One of those two directions. I'm, I'm not sure if the, the balance they're hitting, at least in the first episode. Uh, is my kind of thing. I also this week, for some reason, self-loathing maybe, watched Glass, uh, the sequel <laughs> uh-huh. to Unbreakable. Yeah. Uh, have Hadn't you seen, you seen that before? No. Oh. I started the first I thought we had a whole conversation it. about it once. No, we had a, f- a whole conversation about the first 15 oh. minutes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, it, was, it was not fine. Yeah. I did not appreciate it. And I'll speak no more of it. I then... <laughs> Will last... you move your mic a little closer? What? Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that better? Yes. Okay. Are you going to leave that in the recording? Yeah. All right. Well, that's good fun. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt you. <laughs> no, Continue. You're fine. Uh, because that's that's how my list is going. And then I, I watched uh, Jennifer Lawrence in Red Sparrow, oh. which is fine. Yeah. It is, it is everything that a uh, recent spy flick... Um, it, it reminded me of a lot of different movies. Yeah. Uh, and it really, really felt like it wanted to just be a comic book movie and be the Black Widow movie. Okay. But it is not. Yeah. It's, 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 it's good. <laughs> it's goodish. good-ish. I was curious about it. it just enough it's, because it was on HBO. It's it on like, HBO. Mm-hmm. It's streaming. It, it you know, it's yeah. not a waste of two hours. I just don't know that it's it's particularly interesting. They they put some things out there, but they don't really deal with them. Yeah. Uh, kind of her loss of self, uh, her embracing her baser nature to be able to accomplish certain tasks, uh, kind of as a tool, using sexuality as a tool, different things like that. But it doesn't really say anything about it. Right. It sort of happens. And it doesn't say a whole lot. And you don't really get a, a great read on... Uh, what it means to her. And the whole time I'm watching it, I keep thinking back to Nightingale. Right. And how starkly different those two films 
handle similar themes. Hmm. And in this one, it just felt like there was there was not a lot of afterthought. There was not a lot of, okay, this happened. Now, as a result, here's what this character is going through, and here's what trauma looks like. Trauma in Red Sparrow looks like a tightening of the lip and a suck it up buttercup and mm, let's yeah. press on and you know survive. Right. It was just it was a pure survival story. Oh, okay, I just it did not. Hmm. Did not do it for me. Now, speaking of Nightingale, I don't know if you saw uh, also in movie news this week, uh, the actress, the lead actress from Nightingale uh-huh. came out. Uh, apparently, she had gotten tired of critics, and I, I didn't even know uh, that this was a thing. Not movie critics, but just critics of the film calling it gratuitous. Oh, really? And that was very interesting to me because we yeah. had just had that conversation. And she's talking, uh, you would have thought, like, we were the three of us were in the same room. Uh-huh. She's saying the exact same thing, and she's talking about how interesting it is that you can have these hyper violent films and everybody's desensitized to them. But as soon as you show actual human emotion in the midst of of trauma or violence, suddenly people are like, "Oh, that's gratuitous!" Right, right. Uh, which defeats the whole meaning of gratuitous. Yeah, gratuitous is is showing something with no regard for. The consequences of showing it, right? Yeah, right. It's it's there to be salacious. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just it was it was very interesting to me. Uh, you should check that out and, yeah. and read what she had to say about all that. Well, in um, kind of response to your the Red Sparrow, um, I'm kind of jumping back mm-hmm. into what you're watching about. Oh. But Jenny and I rewatched um, the first season of uh, Killing Eve. Oh, um, I, I have not. If you not watch and it. what you were saying about that, and just from what I know of that film, I think Killing Eve is probably the better version of that story, where um, it's kind of the same deal, where this woman is kind of enlisted to be this spy or like assassin for Russia. And where can I watch Killing Eve? It's because on HBO. A, is it on HBO? The, no, HBO. Uh, Hulu. Sorry. Oh, okay. The first season's on Hulu. Okay. The second isn't out yet, but okay. It's fantastic. And it's really? by the same um, writer, um, what's her name? It's uh, Escaping Me, who did uh, Fleabag. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, it's about. from her, like, kind of her viewpoint of hmm. doing a story like that. And it's really stylish and it's funny. And I've just read so much people raving about it. It's and it's really, on my list to watch. I just I highly I've never recommend gotten to it. it. You'll, but it's on Hulu. Yeah. How did I miss that? I don't know. It's kind of buried. Okay. Yeah, a little bit. Because it's, okay. it's been on there a while. How many so episodes in a season? Uh, eight, I believe. Oh, that's not bad yeah, at all. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's fantastic. I did okay. not regret watching it. And it's fun and the music choices are really good. And the relationship between everyone is really thought out and flushed out and highly recommend it if you want a better version of Red okay. Sparrow. I might, with it being uh, the Thanksgiving weekend, I may just uh, dive right in. Yeah, maybe we can talk about it. Okay, yeah. yeah. That sounds like a thing that's about to happen. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Taking the initiative. Yes. Yeah. That was good. That was good. <laughs> After making me look like a fool. You've uh, hey, twice made me look like a fool. Building each other back up from those lows we were talking about last week. Don't. What? You know how down I get this time of year. It just <laughs> Thanksgiving year time of year. <laughs> yeah, Thanksgiving. <laughs> the Thanksgiving holidays are, are really it's depressed. A low point. <laughs> it really is. Turkey. Yeah. I just think about dead birds. All those poor birds. Man, it's rough. <laughs> Did you watch The Mandalorian this week? Oh, this is a Mandalorian minute. Are we doing the Mandalorian Minute? Yeah. All right. Well, let's we didn't bring dive. A timer. 
Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Well, I'll be your timer. <laughs> you be my timer. Sounds wonderful. <laughs> Next week, we're going to get one of those little kitchen timers. Like, Mine might actually be a Skywalker second. I don't know. Really? Uh-oh. Do you want me to go first? Sure, you can go first. All right. Here's my Mandalorian minute. Okay. It was better this week. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that was your Skywalker second. Hmm. It was, it was better simply because instead of fighting animals, uh, we were finally down to a little more of a Western feel. Uh, however, mm-hmm. I could not help but notice that they were lifting shots and scenes straight from the John Wick series. Oh, this really? felt like John Wick in the Star Wars universe. Uh, there were just certain things where uh, the Mandalorian's walking through kind of the the client's uh, home base or whatever, just slowly shooting people and taking bullets in the shoulder, but then firing back. And mm-hmm. it just, it all began to feel very aimless. I don't feel like this character is vulnerable in any way. Yeah. Not only do you not get to see his face, but he constantly is getting shot and it doesn't matter. Right. And so I'm beginning to have this feeling of, I, I don't care about any of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, if you were laying flat in a space sled and there are 20 people shooting at you, you will die. Yeah. That's how reality works. Yeah. Even in the Star Wars in a universe. Far, far away galaxy. Somehow he found holes with his uh, disintegrating rifle that he could just start picking people off, uh-huh. but nobody could hit him. That was fascinating. And uh, final thought man, in, in all my dreams of how Mandalorians looked using their jetpacks when I was a kid, yeah. they're not good at it. <laughs> and I think they were trying to make it look less Iron Man and they were trying to make it look more like grounded, some, yeah. but it looks very silly. Mm. And John Favreau did Iron Man right. and made flying look amazing. Yeah. And so these are hardened warriors with jetpacks. I really, man, that shot at the end where he flies up next to the ship and salutes. <laughs> what am I watching right now? It is not. This has been a Mandalorian minute. <laughs> Let's hear your Mandalorian minute. Well, this was my least favorite episode. Really? Yeah. Okay. Because it dawned on me that this whole thing is based around like video game logic. Because <laughs> you're so right. Because the whole I'm like Don. It's dawning on me that like, oh, this whole thing was so he could upgrade his armor. <laughs> Like yep. I missed out uh, some missed that like that's what this has been about the yep. first 15 minutes of this is him getting new armor and then walking into a bar with shiny new armor yep and then having a change of heart not just armor but he got a weapon upgrade yeah and that made me so mad and that was where I I literally like my mind shut off and I think I like was passing in and out of consciousness consciousness watching the last like fight because I was just yeah. like I don't care about this at all. I keep searching the internet and I keep waiting for the internet to unite with us. Right. They are not. No. Uh, today, no. there was a whole article on Comic Book News and, and the title of it was uh, Fans Unite Around the Mandalorian. <laughs> and it was about how everybody's really excited about episode nine because of the Mandalorian. Yeah. And I just, I don't know what happened. I feel like you and I walked through a podcasting portal and. <laughs> We've we've come into an alternate reality, yeah. Uh, where man, I I just don't get it. Yeah, I almost. I want to. I want to get know. it so bad. And I almost had that like, am I going to continue with this? Yeah. But I think 
for this just little segment I'm going to, but I really, it really lost me this week, even more so. Just that whole, like I was just saying, but it, the big fan theory right now is that they are, it's a little clone of Yoda or uh-huh. his species or whatever, and they're extracting midichlorians from him. Oh. And I swear, whoever brings that word back to the Star Wars universe yeah. better be very careful with my heart because there is <laughs> nothing I hate more in those prequel movies than that discussion of yeah. midichlorians yeah. where they take the force and force users and they reduce it to... They've just got more stuff in their cells right. that let them do more stuff with the magic force out there. Yeah. That's so what magic. I enjoy about the new video game, that it's kind of ignoring that. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, it can almost be anyone who, who can get in touch with this, the force, and experience it and gain its powers and decide to be a Jedi. And I like that. Yeah. yeah. I'm all about it. I am not about the Mandalorian. Mm. And I just... Even starting this week was a chore, and I'm watching it. I'm thinking like, this is more what I was looking for, but it's still not what I want. Yeah. And I also somebody else was talking about how excellent the action was, and I don't think so. I think it's kind of sloppy. Yeah. Uh, anytime you have a clunky armored character moving around a small dark space, you will see them. Mm-hmm. And also, if he's got brand new armor and can just get Brightly shot at will, shiny. why is he yeah. hiding in the first place? Just yeah. waltz in room to room. Like, at least embrace your video game upgrade. Right. If I'm right. getting that level of armor yeah, in make that, that video game. Yeah, make that first 20 minutes matter that we uh, went through watching him get yep. an upgrade. Yep. Uh. I'm rolling in and, and just straight taking blaster bolts in the chest. Right. And who cares? Yeah. I don't know. Oh, maybe we'll Maybe we'll quit. I don't know. Maybe we're old men now, Clint. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this week we have uh, three I cannot wait to talk about in movies, and not because I loved each one, but because uh, I cannot wait to talk with you about some of these things. <laughs> Up first is straight from the Fast and Furious universe. Oh, we're going to do that one first? Oh, we are definitely. <laughs> I have been waiting months for this, Clint months since I saw it in the theater on a whim because nothing else was out and uh, I went to see this. Uh, Hobbs and Shaw takes two characters from the Fast and Furious universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't even matter their names because it's right there in the title mm-hmm. and it it pits them in a situation together that in a very contrived way has them bouncing from uh, culture to culture, country to country mm. somehow within minutes yes. on a countdown and they still pull it all off uh, Clint, what did you think? Well, first, before we talk about what did you think about Hobbs and Shaw, have you watched all the Fast and Furious movies? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I already I already opened with before we started by saying that I'm gonna sound like an ass <laughs> in this episode with like opening with like this avant-garde like filmmaker <laughs> and then g- going into these films that are beloved by millions upon millions and they are indeed giving my thoughts on them so i i think i've stated before i saw the first two okay because i when was, they were actual racing films before they turned right into action and films. so that's all i have as okay. a um, touchstone for this is okay. i'm thinking about oh these used to be 
race car movies. <laughs> they are not anymore. They have not been for a while. Hobbs and Shaw is actually uh, a little meatier on character than the last Fast and Furious movie. Yeah. If you can believe that. And the only reason I saw those two was because our friend Levi mm-hmm. drugged me to the theater. He drugged you and then took you to drugged the theater? Drugged me and drug, drugged me. <laughs> <laughs> By my hair. Get dragged you. me. Okay. Yeah. So I, I, I'm not familiar with anything okay. up past those. So uh, I, I'm not a giant Fast and Furious fans, fan. Have you seen all of them? I have. Okay. When I was reviewing, I, I had to watch up through i think six i think seven was the only one i watched by choice okay and you know just walked away from most of them like that's ah, big dumb fun yeah yeah that's i get it it's it's fun so i went in hobbs and shaw like all right give me some fun uh what'd you think of hobbs and shaw <laughs> okay well going into it i was aware that okay i'm missing a lot of these films so even if i don't like this that might be part of it. Well, and just to cut you off there, mm-hmm. uh, you don't have to know anything about the films well, I think to get I, anything. So I if you felt I, like you were missing something, it was a screenplay issue. Okay. <laughs> well, not... I think there I was missing some okay. because I don't, I don't know who Hobbs and Shaw are. I don't know why I should care about these guys. I don't know. I don't know if the Fast and Why is Ryan, Ryan Reynolds them. here all of a sudden? Okay, he definitely was here at some point. <laughs> no, he wasn't. He was never there? I'm telling you, you could, the Fast and Furious movies could not exist, and this movie would be shot for it shot, line for line, the exact same movie. It seemed like it set it up like, oh, we were. everyone else is familiar with these guys. Nope. Okay. I mean, they're in the other movies, so, but, but so there's nothing. Appear. Yes, okay, but they so reintroduced I- them in this movie. Uh, in a much better way than the Fast and Furious movies did. So I'm, I'm telling you. Okay. You, you, you literally missed nothing. Okay. So my opinion of this film is, so I first was like, okay, even if I don't understand this, yeah. I'm going to be like, okay, there, I'm missing something. And I'm, that's part of my experience here. And okay. I'm not going to crap on these films and because a lot of people like these films. Okay. And as it went on, it just slowly unraveled to the point like, no, this is bad. <laughs> this is bad, and I shouldn't be ashamed that this is bad. And I okay. think it's bad. Okay. <laughs> just think it's bad. Yeah. I had a really good time with it. While I also recognized that it was bad, uh, there is something about Jason Statham and The Rock that I, I enjoy their screen presence. I don't in- so have I had that a good time. much of an affection for either of them. So, really? Yeah. Aww. So I, I didn't have that to oh. latch on to. Like... It just, I know I should have been enjoying their banter, but I did not enjoy their banter. Okay. So every, like, it was like 10 minutes of them going back and forth with making jokes about how big The Rock is and how little Jason Statham, <laughs> Jason, Jason Statham is. And it's like, we're going to do this for another 10 minutes? Okay. And then <laughs> the action just progressively got crazier to the point where I just felt like, did they <laughs> just get a child in here with action <laughs> figures in cars and like have a green screen and they like had them acted out and then Those they were the animatics and then they just CG'd out the little boy preschool children yeah so that's the only thing I could see the rest of the time is okay. like this just looks like a kid playing okay. with action figures because it got so crazy can I give you the alternate reality where you'd have loved this movie uh, sure okay <laughs> imagine a world 
where Taika Waititi. In a world. Yes, where Taika Waititi uh, followed up Endgame with a Star-Lord and Thor movie. Mm-hmm. Okay? Where Thor is the big and tough and Star-Lord is just the little and scrawny. Uh, them going on an adventure together in a universe comprised of Taika Waititi uh, visuals and fun and zaniness. That's such a fictionalized... <laughs> I'd have to completely reimagine this under a director I really enjoy. I'm really doing trying to it give in a you, way that I really enjoy. I'm trying to give you the Hobson Shaw <laughs> that you would love. That That's fine, but this is not that one. I'm sorry. Okay. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what it Tell was. Tell me what you enjoy. I want to, you know, exp- here's I want to experience thing. what you experienced. You can't because <laughs> even when I went back, cause I, I watched this in the theater mm-hmm. and I went back and then watched it this week. And mm-hmm. as I'm watching it, I don't understand what happened in the theater <laughs> uh-huh. several months ago. Maybe it was a good day. Maybe I was getting over the flu and that was the first thing I was eating and watching. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know what it was, but I'm watching back through it and I'm like, oh, what have I done to Clint? Yeah. What have I done? Yeah. Uh, It was actually painful. I'm sorry. Like where my body is on fire. (laughs) Like, oh, I got to get through another hour of this. And (laughs) I was hoping at least it would be something like how you enjoyed it, where it was dumb, but I was getting amusement out of their performances. I didn't even get that. I'm sorry. I think the best part was, I can't remember the actress's name who played his sister, mm-hmm. who brought a little like levity to the center of all of it. I thought she was okay. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I just didn't have enough love for any of the characters to bring me through. I knew going in this was not your yeah. OT. And I was trying to be like, I'm going to be the guy who's dropped in the middle of like the uh, MCU. Mm-hmm. where like... I'm going to be missing a lot. So I was trying, like I said, I was trying to look at it from that angle, but then just too much happened. (laughs) I couldn't let it go. Well, I think when Hobbs and Shaw 2 comes out, because you know it'll come out. Oh, sure. We should go to the theater. Billion dollars. We should go to the theater. We should watch. I'm sure you'll make me do that. (laughs) I I don't think I'll make myself do that. Maybe. Really? Uh, it's For it, the experience of recording this, I'm sure we no, will. No, my, my second time through, I kind of hopped through. I didn't even watch the whole thing. Uh, and I just came away feeling like it, it was fine. Yeah. Uh, when I was 13, it would have been mind-boggling, and I would have declared it cinema, and, and I would have just loved it to death. And and there's room. I just wish there was some <laughs> acknowledgement of actual physics in the <laughs> real world. Yeah. It's like so the rock falls off multiple skyscrapers yes. and survives. Yes. And he's not even the one with the cyborg powers. That Terminator Dark Fury scene in the plane, that's yeah. this whole movie. Yeah, yeah. Whole movie. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I like that. Action figures. That's <laughs> no. It's it's harmless. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And I understand what not like for you. Yeah. And I to like I don't wanna disparage it for other people where like mm-hmm. I know that they love these films it's just i'm a little bit on the outside of them yeah this this kind of thing it's it's so harmless that it makes me happy that somebody enjoys it somewhere yeah uh i don't feel like it's you know i'm not eroding society or culture or anything like that no. just i think there's a place for for big dumb fun and it's okay if somebody is just not the uh the criterion streaming type <laughs> yeah and i don't I wouldn't be offended if they didn't like Peter Greenway's films. I could understand. All right. Well, 
Hopefully, Hobbs and Shaw 2 will be directed by Peter <laughs> Greenaway. <laughs> that would be... I would see that one. Although this one had surprisingly little narrative, so maybe... Yeah, it was very thin. My, my favorite slash least favorite mm-hmm. <laughs> part of the entire movie is how many hoops they have to jump through to get to that island with his family. <laughs> at the end to set up family. the showdown yeah uh within some sort of emp device that only works for a set amount of time so they can use clubs yeah mm-hmm. that was they really really had to bend and twist bend yeah. again and twist again and uh i don't know all on top of and here's a device that over the course of 45 minutes will withdraw mm-hmm. nanites from a human being's body that yep. was that's some screenwriting right there. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, enough of Hobbs and Shaw. Next up uh, is a little flick called Peanut Butter Falcon. Now, Peanut Butter Falcon, uh, interesting backstory. It was originally conceived by its directors uh, as a showcase piece for um, a boy or a young man who wanted desperately to be an actor, but he has Down syndrome. And was it so for the actor in the film? It was for the actor in the film. Zach Gottsigan? Yes. Gottsigan? It was for him, and he wanted to be an actor, and he was lamenting to them about how there's just no parts out there uh, for actors who have actual disabilities. And he was the one who said to them, write me one. And so he requested it. They crafted it for him. They then went and did some uh, test footage, a proof of concept, kind Mm -hmm. of a short film version of a lot of the outdoor scenes. And that's what they started sending around to actors and studios and things like that, producers, trying to scrap together uh, a shot at making an actual feature film with it. Uh So that's where it came from. That was very interesting to me. Um, The movie itself is about... uh, this this character who named Zach who mm-hmm. has Down syndrome and he is for various reasons uh, the state has put him in a uh, retirement home yeah and that's where he's cared for but he keeps trying to break out of the retirement home he finally does he goes on a, a road trip of sorts uh, with this other character who is also on the run uh, from Shia, Bluff. Shia, LaBeouf's Shia LaBeouf's character. He's, he's running from some criminal dealings mm-hmm. and these two kind of buddy up and just decide to try to make it to this little wrestling school in Southern Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's kind of the basics of it. Yeah. Clint, what did you think of Peanut Butter Falcon? So I've been trying to think of a grading system for <laughs> this podcast. <laughs> and my one idea was the good, the bad, the ugly, and the shrugly. Shrugly. <laughs> the good, the bad, and the shrugly. Yeah. That's what we should call it. Yeah. That's amazing. So we would give it a good, a bad, or a shrugly. <laughs> That's amazing. So this one is going to go get a shrugly for me. <laughs> shrugly. Okay. Uh, <laughs> And that the, the don't uh, don't pay attention to the ugly in there. It's just a you know a shrug. It's just a shrug. Yeah, it's not ugly. Okay. So was it a shrug the entire movie for you? Um. Well, I I was enjoying it. Okay. I I I enjoyed Zach. I thought he was really good. Mm-hmm. Um. And I enjoyed everything with him and his journey through the film. What I didn't really care for was Shia LaBeouf's character. Really. 
or what he was going through because okay. I feel like every they didn't go deep enough to any of it. And um, that was what kind of lost me. Okay. Yeah. I I really enjoyed uh, Zach's performance. I, I enjoyed the Shia LaBeouf character. My issues were with the female doctor that was following. That was, yeah. And a lot of the plot contrivances yeah. that followed with her. Yeah, me too. Uh, and with the guys that were pursuing Shia LaBeouf. Mm-hmm. I almost wish it was Shia LaBeouf is just kind of this homeless drifter that is traveling in the same direction. And it's it's less of a chase, yeah. less of a oh, there's something on my tail, yeah. and just a I'm down on my luck, and life has not done well by me. Um, because I I actually really enjoyed their relationship. I enjoyed the moments where it was just the two of them. Yeah, and that's what I'm kind of saying. Like I just his they didn't go deep enough into his like his uh, Shia LaBeouf's character's past with his, his with his fa- brother what he's dealing or, with. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it just felt very surface level so i yeah. just couldn't get into that part of it i i did enjoy their uh relationship as that went on and i was going to say exactly what you said i did not enjoy her character and uh, the how i just did not believe she was why she was with them i didn't buy her performance no. i didn't buy the way she was written there were there were elements of it i i really liked here's this trained professional i like this idea here's this trained professional who should know exactly how to treat this 20, 22 year old right. uh, young man with Down syndrome like a human being. But she's constantly shortchanging who he is. And here's just this rough and tumble guy on the side who has no professional training, but he's the one that's like, no, he's an adult. Let him live his life. Let him, you know, let him experience. And I, I, I think wanted they both to like that a him, lot more. Though. I, agree I with think you. she didn't see, like you were saying, didn't see him as an adult, but I don't think he looked at, at what his limits were and what he was actually like subjecting him to along this journey. Yeah. And and that's early on. He has this conversation with him. My, my favorite scene in the movie, uh, kind of the peak for me after that started to go downhill, was a scene where uh, Zach's laying on the beach and it's at night and he's talking to Shia LaBeouf's character. And they're talking about good guys or bad guys. Mm-hmm. And they're just having this very kind of sweet conversation where what's being said to Zach is, yeah, you're not a bad guy. You're a good guy. And just because uh, you have these disadvantages, that doesn't matter. It's it's your heart. And yeah, it got a little sappy and syrupy yeah. in that moment. It's a little too on the nose. But at the same time, that's the kind of stuff I really enjoyed. Now when we get to you know physically endangering uh, yeah. this kid um you know that was at times a little uncomfortable yeah it's probably the wrong word but it was just like ooh, n- no you're you're not you're not doing as well by him as you think you yeah know? that's what was taking me out of it too oh. and i and i was i was like maybe like we were talking about how Shia is being pursued by these characters that mm-hmm. he wronged. If they were trying to make some comparison between um, Zach's character, who is really into wrestling, this mm-hmm. f- um, fictionalized version of violence, and Shia's, Shia, 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 is dealing with real world violence. And there and was a clear line. There, there was a clear line where that scene where they're. Um, the pursuers catch up to them when they're sleeping. When Zach holds them, holds, holds them up, up with, with a the gun, there was some like realization that 
oh, the, there's real violence in the world and it actually affects people. And if they were trying to make say something about that, but it really, it still stays in almost in this realm of fantasy. And in that moment, I almost thought they were going to go a Rain Man direction. Uh-huh. Because in Rain Man, it's all about like, I'm going to take you and I'm going to show you how to live life. And then he slowly realizes the balance of it. Right. I really thought in that moment, he was going to shoot one of them. Yeah. Uh, with the shotgun. Zach was. Yeah. And it was going to completely disrupt the right. rest of the film. Yeah. And it was going to be this huge gut check, this this big reality check where, yeah, you've got to live your life, but but there's also these consequences. Mm-hmm. And it never went there. And that's when it started, especially now they get to the, the wrestling camp. And it, that became increasingly fantasy-like up to and including Shia LaBeouf's character gets attacked. And just... then what happens really confused me because yeah, me too. the shot in the hospital suggests he just died uh-huh and oh this just went really dark okay now we're going to do this there are consequences mm-hmm. cut to black pick back up the the doctor or the the attendant and zach are driving to florida like was planned mm-hmm. and shia labeouf's just bandaged in the back yeah it felt like an alternate ending. Yeah. It felt like one of those deleted scenes where it was just test audiences needed it to end happy. Mm-hmm. And again, that was it was a second time or a third time where it pulled away from that. Let's look at what a character on the road would actually be going through in these right. in these circumstances. And and it might all like we we were talking about it all for me hinge around that scene at where the gun is pulled, mm-hmm. and especially with. Um, Dakota Johnson's character, I just could not believe that she was still sticking around like yeah. during that. And then she's attacked. And then, yeah, like the last scene where they're still on the road is like she doesn't see that or she's somehow bought into this um, world that Shia is um, living. And I just she cannot... does that right from the raft scene. Too. I know. The keys she's get just... thrown in the water. And she's like, OK, you walk to the road and make a call to the right. authorities. There's was... a weird man I just that kept... has my patient. I kept thinking, like, she's really bad at her job. That's what, like, through the rest of it, I was just like, she isn't. Yeah, but she's unappreciated, and she has a bad boss, and that's supposed to, it doesn't. But no. you can tell all those elements are there. To right, I knew that. that give you that little bit of wiggle room. Yeah. Oh, this is why she's going along Yeah, and I this. knew they were trying to do that, but it was just like, if you actually care about yeah. this kid, well, not kid, but this man, then you should not be doing this. Yeah. You don't know this guy. You met him in the gas station yeah. briefly and he flirted with you so you're fine with it yeah. and i didn't believe that relationship at all yeah. especially the two of them they're yeah. very 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 different yeah nothing to suggest that that gas station scene played out in real life no would be uh, alluring He'd... or uh, anything yeah he didn't show any side of him to her that would yeah. give confidence that maybe she should go on this journey yeah. with him down to florida yeah, that's by the end of it, I was glad it existed. I, I think I was more taken by the story behind it. Yeah, than, I didn't know that before, but now you saying that it like gives me a little more appreciation for it. Right. But um, I would I would almost rather see the movie about here's a struggling actor and here are these filmmakers trying to make like a film within a film. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think would have would have been much more. I would have liked to see the film where this is the film they're making, and you get little snippets of it. Mm-hmm. But it's actually about this actor Zach connecting to this celebrity, problematic celebrity actor Shia, 
and so shy of becoming yeah <laughs> shy of becoming a little more human because of his interactions yeah. with this other actor and realizing he's been handed all these things and he hasn't appreciated it here's this guy just fighting for one shot or one movie where he can actually star right that's an interesting yeah. movie to me yeah i agree that's yeah. also in that alternate reality where Taika does this one too. No, 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 no. Taika does definitely doesn't do this one. Taika does the other one. But. I could see Taika doing that though. Maybe like a wilder people thing. Oh yeah, yeah. I forgot he did he, that. He could do anything. That's a fantastic movie. Yeah, and Jojo Rabbit's fantastic. Yeah, but I haven't seen that yet. But I love. Just take my people. word for it. I do. I always do. Yeah, I always do. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's a little bit more than shrugly, but it's just it it just lost me as it went on and didn't fulfill some of the things it could have i'm a sap and i'm an easy movie cry yeah and this one got me at different points even though the whole time i'm watching it i'm like for the most part this all washes out this is an average experience but it's still it 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 tugged at the right heartstrings at the right moments where uh again just in those moments where it's just shia and zach uh as soon as other characters would come in i was like no you're get out I just, yeah, I, I think care he about tried the, a little too hard in those moments for yeah. me to get any emotions going. Yeah, it, it just it felt like it was overwriting what was propelling them along. Yeah, instead of it just being, I actually like the the wrestling school side story where this kid is obsessed with that, and in, in yeah. his mind he wants to get there. I was really happy when they got there, and um, Thomas Hayden Church is just like, oh yeah, that closed ten years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, really enjoyed that moment Mm -hmm. i I like those little moments but then it always felt like they pulled away from them yeah now i'm rolling up in my trans am and i'm going to teach you and maybe that would have been sweet if it would have just been him but then it turned into oh there's some you know near bayou uh wrestling yeah yeah kind of thing on the side and just again they they would go in a direction i was really appreciating and then they would go back to hollywood Mm -hmm. and i don't know it's worth watching. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, okay. Had a really high, like, ratings, right? Yeah. Yeah. I just appreciate it because it wasn't an actor playing somebody with a disability. It was oh, an yeah. actual. I thought um, he did a great job. I did, too. Yeah. I did, too. And it, it really lent itself to the authenticity of it all. And um, I, I just, I, there was a lot I appreciated about it. I appreciated more about the movie than I enjoyed it. I have a slight <laughs> prejudice against Shia. Okay. Uh, well, it, I didn't really have an opinion on him until. Have you ever watched Hot Ones? No. Uh, no. Well, it's you should because it's a really good interview show where they have different actors come on and they eat hot wings, progressively getting hotter as they go. And okay. And the um, interviewer asks really good questions while where doing it. Where is this at? It's on YouTube. Really hot okay. ones. It's really fantastic. Okay. And like asking really like interesting questions, like digs really deep and like catches them off guard. Like, oh, you're like, they're always like, you're a really good interviewer. And okay. but their mouth's on fire. So it's them getting caught off guard by the heat in the interviews. But he was on there recently and I just could not make heads or tails of him. He was just like kind of putting on this act of being like almost the character from this film, mm. like hard working, like a uh, blue collar worker. And it's like, you're like this artsy guy who lives in New York, I guess, I think New York or LA. Mm. And it's just like, you're not the person you're portraying right now. And <laughs> you're doing yourself a disservice. <laughs> and I just could not, I was like, I don't know what to think. And it was I, a recent interview? Mm-hmm. Okay. It was like two or three weeks Interesting. ago. I want to check out the show. I don't know if I really care You'll, about that particular interview. Right. But, but it's really good. You'll okay. enjoy it. Yeah. I'll check that out. Mm-hmm. All right. 
So Hobbs and Shaw, big dumb fun, but not for Clint. It was yeah. surgery for Clint. Oh, something with <laughs> something with Hobbs and Shaw to jump back for one second. Sure. That dawned on me what ma- made me dislike it a little bit more and what I had a problem with John Wick films is they're all scored with porno music. <laughs> they're all like boom 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 you know what I mean? Like no. they're all underscored with that during like the humorous parts. And it's just like, <laughs> okay. Oh. And I didn't realize what is my problem with the music in these films. And it's like, it sounds like a seventies porno. <laughs> okay. <laughs> listen, next time you watch it, listen for it and you'll, you'll dawn on you. Just that stereotypical soundtrack. Yeah. That goes under banter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Take my word for it. Sure. I'm giving you that weird look. <laughs> I know you are. Okay. So Hobson Shaw, big dumb fun, but not for Clint. Uh, Peanut Butter Falcon, Shrugly, uh, appreciated. What do you give it not, out of Good the Bad? I would also, like in the end, I yeah. would I would give it a Shrugly. Okay. Um, again, I, I just, I, I dug so much more of the, the production notes and, and what went into the film yeah. and what they were doing with the film than the actual film itself. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So moving on, moving on. Third thing we're reviewing just came out on Blu-ray, even though it's been on Hulu for a while is Handmaid's Tale season three. Uh-huh. Uh, now we're both big fans of Handmaid's Tale season one and two. Mm-hmm. Uh, where did you feel that season two was compared to season one? Better, worse, shruggy, <laughs> shruggly. Oh, no, uh, <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I think I, they are so intertwined to me. Yeah. Like the progression just feels so natural. Like I, I don't know. It's just, I feel like it's a natural continuation of the story. So I don't yeah. know if I liked it more or just, I think equally. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of in the same place. I just liked that it didn't turn into a rehash. I was really worried that they would just continue to find narrative excuses to hold these characters in limbo. Right. And somehow... Uh, it is still in the same situation. Mm-hmm. She's still in the same area, but they keep finding ways to change the rules of the game yeah. or to change the terms or to change what's at stake. Um, and the same thing I think happens from season two to season three. It's a very organic progression mm-hmm. into season three, but they're able to mine so much more out of that. I would love to know how much each episode of the series costs because it looks amazing, but when you sit back and think about it, they're not doing really grand expensive things no it's almost like set pieces Mm -hmm. just like it's it's small set pieces and it's it's really intensely character focused yeah you could almost do it as a stage play sometimes because Mm -hmm. probably a lot of the cost is up front because they just have their concentrated Mm -hmm. areas that they're in for most of the time but i feel like it's such an impossible situation that the characters are in that Mm -hmm it's really hard to get beyond that. And I like the things that they do to progress things in very subtle ways. One of the biggest things I noticed in season three is, and and it was there all along, but they, to such lengths and in so many different ways, make everything oppressive Mm -hmm. and make everything walled in and make everything almost impossible to overcome. Not so much so that when there is a gain or there is a victory that it's like that would never happen. Right. But just to the point where it's it's constantly pressing in on the characters. And every time you think, okay, now she has the upper hand, 
eight different forces converge to shove her back down. Mm-hmm. And she's not shoved back down to, to being the person she was before. Uh, she continues to push through it. Season three sees a, a subplot where she sort of goes villain. Uh, yeah. I, I think is an easy way to put it. Yeah. It's, it's not that simple. Breaking bad moment. She really sort of goes mad. Yeah. And, and the things that were important to her and the things that should matter to her start to slip away. Mm-hmm. And there were genuine moments in season three where I started to wonder, is this character about to take a very dark turn and not come back from it? Mm-hmm. What was your reaction to how they handled her character this season? I really, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I really buy into the progression that the character has been taking. Um, I like the moments where she's almost beat back down to this submissive state, but there's always something to pull her out of that. Mm-hmm. There's some sign of hope she gets from Canada or um, from her family or mm-hmm. something else happening in in Gilead that gives her a sign that I need to push forward, that this is not how it's going to stay and I can get out of this situation. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I liked, I feel like it was a natural progression into those moments of madness, mm-hmm. like what she's going through in that time in those moments, you would go to that place. Mm-hmm. And the place of the darkness is like almost this survival instinct. It's like, I have to do this. I have to do this evil, potentially pretty evil thing to get myself and other people out of this evil situation that we're all in. And it helps that she's surrounded every single character, every single supporting character uh, in Handmaid's Tale is someone who is doing what they have to do to survive. And they feel like it's the right path forward. Right. Whether that's somebody who's drinking the Kool-Aid and they're just going to keep their head down and go about their business, they're doing it to survive. And they they start to really believe this is how I live. Mm-hmm. Even the the oppressive characters, the ones that are actually doing the oppressing, right. uh, they're doing the exact same thing. They are kind of forging ahead. They're righteous in their minds and they know what they're doing. And and it's just this who has the power, who mm-hmm. has the actual ability to oppress somebody else or who has the actual ability to limit someone else. Well, they're the ones that rise and then limit. And the other ones are kind of shoved down in the mud. And for the most part, they just kind of toil in that mud because what else are they going to do? Mm. I think the thing that propels her is is this hope of I I can somehow get my child back, and if I can't, I don't care to live anyway. Mm-hmm. And that gives her enough of a rebellious spark that she just keeps going back, even when it bloodies her or and bruises her and and tears her down. Yeah, there's and always that little element of I can get back. I can I can pull this off. Yeah, and she's like holding on to the memory of what life actually was before this mm-hmm. Gilead uh, took root, and she knows that like I'm more than what they're making yeah. me out to be, and everyone else is too. And this is not what is intended for us. Is there a series of things that could happen where this kind of fictional reality could, be, could become a reality. Do you buy so much into the world that you think, yeah, that that could be a thing? I think it's extremely well grounded in things from history and other religions where women are um, in like a submissive mm-hmm. um, situation. Um, 
I don't know if it would happen to this degree exactly, but I think, I mean, even with like women's rights issues that are still being like uh, the abortion issue and stuff where that could go away, the, the right to have an abortion, like with how the Supreme Court is right now. Um, so I could see like slowly those things getting eroded to the point where women are staying home. They don't, they can't have a job. Um, I, I, I don't know. It's it's very well grounded, I believe. Yeah, there's there's no part. I had said high fantasy earlier. There's no part where it feels fantastical. Yeah, where it feels so far beyond the the realm of possibility uh, that you know you shrug your shoulders and you're like, nah, I don't buy that. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything sort of. I, I think that's one of the the best things about the series. The world building is airtight. Oh yeah, it really even down to how countries interact with each other, even diplomacy, even the way that they've walled off. The fact that the United States is this large nation and it's divided. Mm-hmm. There's there's this reference to, and we haven't seen it yet, but there's th- these references to kind of the western part of the country right, like is Chicago not Gilead. And, yeah. Gilead has, you know, they're trying to expand. They're trying to be bigger. Yeah. But at the same time, it's not the whole of America. Their, mm-hmm. their center of power was in D.C. and they've expanded out from there. Even little things like that. You get this this feeling, even when you are stuck in one place with Offred, you get this feeling that it's a much bigger oh, world yeah. with many, many, many yeah. more stories that are happening all over the place. Yeah, and that's kind of like something we I think we touched on last time, where it's just like with Nightingale, where you don't always have to show. You can tell and let your imagination fill in those gaps. And yeah. just the, how they mention, like, there's what is it Chicago where mm-hmm. there's a battle taking place and the colonies and um, where people are sent off to work mm-hmm. on these colonies. And it's just like, yeah, you we know, just hearing about it expands the world and you don't always have to visualize it. And I almost appreciate that more. I, I think if they tried to show it. Yeah. It might do a disservice because mm-hmm. knowing the budget might not be there for it to realize it fully. Mm-hmm. So, And let's yeah. say the budget was even there. I agree with you on that. But let's say the budget was there and they could go and show it. Well, then they have to pull away mm-hmm. from the core of the series, the core characters. And it would lose that isolation feeling. Right, yeah. We're only seeing, for the most part, what she can see and mm-hmm. what she can experience we're stuck in the same areas that she's stuck in. Yeah. Uh, other than the few times though, there'll be scenes where they go off to Canada. Yeah. Well, season like two, they did go to the colony mm-hmm. and yeah. I thought they just extended that feeling of isolation in a different And that's, way. that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. every character, when they do go off and it does follow another character it's, that's not offered, they're still isolated. Yeah. Too. And it's about the character, not really mm-hmm. the, the, um, area or the, where they're at. Yeah. yeah. Uh, even when they do go to Canada, when uh, what's the commander's wife, uh, played by Yvonne? Oh, is her name Yvonne Stravinsky? Anyway, uh-huh. when her character Serena. Goes, Serena, thank you. I could not think of it. When Serena goes to Canada, even then, what she's stuck in airports, she's stuck in meeting rooms, she's stuck in uh, holding cells. Mm-hmm. Everything continues to be this series of. Because she's the other there. Yes, and she's not free to. Nope. do what she wants there. Nope. So I, I I very much enjoy this series. I, I still think it's one of the, the best series out there. Oh, yeah. Uh, right now, and and it just... 
I think it's something that 10 years from now, 20 years from now, you could watch and it would hold up mm-hmm. perfectly. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing about it that, that would seem to uh, limit it or date it. It's, it's built on such universal ideas and themes and struggles. Uh, like you were saying, where it, it really kind of pulls from history and it pulls from uh, oppressive nations and things like that to craft its its story. Mm-hmm. And that really keeps things fascinating. Yeah. I. <laughs> it's been a few months since the series ended, so I had to kind of um, go through the Wikipedia and try to <laughs> reignite my memories of the show. <laughs> And just even just reading like the short blurbs about mm-hmm. each episode, like some of the things give me chills, yeah. just like just remembering them. And it's just like the power of that. I went back through a few episodes and I brushed up on synopsises, synopses. Yeah. And it was it was interesting to me how even just reading a recap of an episode, it was very specific visuals would yeah. flash in my head, mm-hmm. very strong and clear visuals. Yeah. Um, not just literally visuals, mm-hmm. but just kind of of how the series felt or how the series looked or how the series handled certain things. Yeah. Uh, and just top to bottom, you know, rattling off all the goods, music and performances oh, yeah. and cinematography. It's just, it's it's such a, a cinematic uh, experience. It's, it's such a thoughtful experience and it really never repeats itself. It no. always finds a new way uh, to tackle what it's what it's examining while somehow simultaneously organically moving the story forward. Yeah. Even if it's a familiar situation and the mm-hmm. character's in, it's they're usually in a different emotional mm-hmm. place that it makes it new and interesting. Yeah. yeah. I um at work the other day there was there's a lot of like Mennonite people who come and do work for us and there was a woman I think who just started <clears throat> And she walked in in, you know, the typical like Mennonite garb with the head mm-hmm. thing. And she but it was bright green. And I had never seen that before. Usually it's blacks or right. grays or browns. Right. And she looked like Serena. Oh wow. And it was so unsettling <laughs> to see this in the middle of the day, like, oh, it's happened. <laughs> she's it's, aware of it's happening. She's ahead of the curve on this happened. and she has her household and she has her handmade ready. <laughs> so yeah. I'm assuming the Mennonites are not a big portion of the Handmaid's Tale audience. I would not think so. Just a hunch. Yeah, you'd probably uh, be correct in thinking yeah, that. <laughs> pretty sure. Pretty sure. Although, come to think of it, I have no idea what Mennonites are supposed to or not supposed to watch or listen to. Or yeah, some are. How much that's yeah. I we in where I grew up, there's a uh, surrounding of Mennonites around uh, my parents' house and. A lot of them were a lot looser with that okay. than, I guess, some. Um, so, so uh, do you have any speculation for where four is going? Wow, no. Yeah. Because if at any point, like at the end of season one, you'd ask me what's two going to be, I would yeah. be dead wrong. Mm-hmm. Same thing between season two and season three. Um, I I imagine we're going to see a little bit of what's going on in Chicago or some of those other areas. Yeah. I think we're going to see a little more of DC. Um. But otherwise, I I just genuinely, I was so thankful for this uh, ending of this season that there was a little bit of light. Yeah, there was some hope that happens. Well, and that was especially important with how dark and low this yeah. season got at yeah. different points. Um, there was successes, mm-hmm. and it just I was like, oh, good. Yeah, like it's there's something happening that it's all of this is worth worth it. Yeah, 
Yeah. yeah at, at the end of three, uh, even even if nothing else followed for some reason, you could end on season three and feel like, ah, there's light yeah. at the end of the tunnel, and that's how it ends. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know they're they're going forward. I'm happy about that, but um, yeah, I I really needed that. This season went really. It was really even not dark. even light, like for me. Like, because I enjoy the world and even how dark it is, mm-hmm. but just for the characters, like, because yeah. I'm so attached to yep. the characters, it's like, oh, good, they're they're succeeding. They're getting out of this situation a little bit. There's just a sign of hope, and I, that's what I was thankful for. You know, not, not even for me that I was just like, oh, good, I this is not a, like a slog, that like a dark slog. It's just like I was just happy for the characters. Well, to and that's why I forward. appreciate the plotting of it, because at no point does it feel like, this is a plot point that is being introduced just to advance the story. Yeah. It always feels like here's what comes next. Mm-hmm. This, then this, then this. And you can almost get a feel for the writer's room. I would imagine they sit there and say, okay, we've written ourselves to point M. What logically is point N? Mm-hmm. What happens next? Not necessarily what we want to happen to our characters for our own little warm and fuzzies, what but naturally, what actually will naturally yeah. happen in this world with these people that yeah. we've established. And so that's exciting too. Like I said, when, when she goes dark mm-hmm. at any point, they, they could have started to transition and could have made Serena the main character and Offred goes bad and dies or whatever else. And the series would continue mm-hmm. because it just would feel like a natural progression. And so uh, that created a, a sense of, of tension where, oh, even even our main character here is not necessarily safe. And yeah. she's not always going to be this bastion of, of modern virtue. She's, she's susceptible to the same kind of evils and pitfalls that, that anyone is. Yeah. Well, I mean, even... I'm glad she pulled out of it. But well, she... I mean, even from the beginning of the series, she's not even... I don't even think put up as this modern mm-hmm. um, virtuous person because yeah. just like, I mean, she cheated on uh, yeah. her. Um, she's with a man that cheated on her with yeah. her or her. And uh, so she's not even, I, I never saw her as that. Mm-hmm. And so it was always just like, she's very human. She's fallible and she's making mistakes and she can, in this world that she's put into, she can go dark, and she's yeah. trying to. She's a survivor. Yeah, she's yeah. a she's a real survivor. Yeah, the other ones are surviving. Yeah, um, yeah. but they're static. Right, they are for the most part stuck in their role. Yeah, and accepting of their role. It's her and Serena that, especially her, but a little bit Serena that you see actual movement in, and that that um, are not. Uh, ready to settle for being that static creature in this new environment. Yeah. So, no, I I highly recommend this to everybody. Yeah, and for anybody. sure. I'm always well, I'm always telling people. Well, not I, everybody. I try to, but it's it's such no. it is so dark. It is, and it's so close to reality that. It's a hard like, watch. I've had this conversation with my sister who I can't believe really likes this show, who I would not think she would. She's read the book and everything. And I'm like, man, I can't believe you like this show because I just wouldn't think she'd be into it. But um, 
It, 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 there's certain people I would not. Yeah. <laughs> yes. My everybody and anybody is somebody's looking for a quality series. Yeah. But then they could, you know, appreciate or enjoy this. Yeah. Uh, I know like my wife uh, would not find this uh, tolerable to watch at all. Right. It just, it would, it would hit all the notes that, that she would have a difficult time with. She would recognize the quality. She would not want to keep watching it. Right. That's um, my wife too. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's tough. She, she would cry in the first five minutes and I would be like, yeah, yeah, we'll skip it. Yeah. It's tough. <laughs> all right. So Hobbs and Shaw, uh, you know, Clint. Bow, bow, bow. <laughs> bow, bow. You know, Peanut Butter Falcon uh, was shrugly better story about the the movie being made than than the movie itself, uh, and then Handmaid's Tale season three, pick it up, stream it, whatever you need to do. But yeah. man, that's a that's a series to keep up with. Mm-hmm. Quite a trilogy of films, or <laughs> quite quite a lineup of yeah. three. Well, uh, The Irishman comes out this week. I'm I'm going to watch it. I don't know if we'll review it next week, but if you have time, you should check it out. Yeah. Um, might. I hear lots of good things about it, and you know, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I do. Side note, mm. I think it's adorable. Yeah, that Martin Scorsese does not like comic book films. Mm-hmm. However, uh, he is totally using technology that was developed for comic book films, <laughs> de aging yeah. CG, to make his new movie. And so I find it very interesting that the very thing that he's saying does not advance the medium is the very thing that he is using to advance his medium. Yeah, I mean. Just saying. I mean, there was a lot of technology technology that we gained from the Nazis. <laughs> wow. Clint, did you just compare MCU superhero filmmaking to Nazi hey, Germany? a lot of good comes out of bad. That's what I'm just saying. Oof. Man, <laughs> you you are ending this podcast with murkiness. I'm just poured a bunch of mud in here. We got to wade through. Hey, sorry. Put your galoshes on. All right. Well, this has been another exciting episode of Clint Kills My Hypothesis. <laughs> I tend to do that. <laughs> and it makes me look like kill. a fool. Uh, we'll be back next week with more uh, doused hypotheses <laughs> and destroyed uh, egos. So this has been Cinebabble. I'll build you back up, baby. Have a happy Thanksgiving. (laughs) Enjoy that turkey.